0: Welcome back. Here with the Sunday session. Time now for the panel. And this morning, I'm joined by commentator and senior lecturer from the University of Otago, Morgan Godfrey. How are you, Morgan? Good morning. I'm well, thanks. Good. Also joined by Coast host Lorna Sabrinsky. How are you, Lorna?
1: Kia ora, very well. Morning team.
0: Good to hear. Uh, Of course, guys. Tomorrow it's the Queen Memorial Day here. Um, It's we're sort of almost a week since the funeral. Um, it's been a little bit of time now since the Queen passed away on the 9th of September, which was a very historic moment and day. But all of a sudden i kind of starting to feel maybe a day off isn't really necessary. We've we've moved through it, we've mourned, we've grieved and um it just feels a bit odd to have a day off tomorrow, Morgan.
2: Yeah, with respect to Her Majesty, I probably won't be uh, thinking about uh, her funeral and the grieving process again, uh, because it does feel slightly disjointed. I think you're right. And after the uh, 10 days of uh, appropriate mourning, but quite intense if you were plugged into television or radio or the internet, Mm. uh, it kind of feels uh, a little bit hiring, I mean, to jump back into that uh, again, I mean, I wouldn't, no one will be complaining about a day off, I'm sure, Uh, but it does seem slightly disjointed to me to be taking it at this point, uh, rather than perhaps earlier.
0: Yeah, look, Lorna, I've definitely spoken to a a few small business owners over the last week who are very unhappy about the fact that this was sort of thrown at them uh, at the last minute and the impact that it's going to have on their businesses.
1: Yeah, I mean, you kind of damned if you uh, do, damned if you don't. If you're the government, I'd like to point out it's not a holiday for everybody. Uh, Not that I'm bitter at all about having to work tomorrow. Um, You're not on your own, (laughs) Lorna. I'll be here. It does feel a little, yes, it does feel distorted. I see Australia did it last week on the Thursday. I mean, you could have argued that last Tuesday would have been a great day if people stayed up and watched the, um, watched the funeral. They could have done with a little bit of sleeping in the morning. Um, I'm English-born. I'm not particularly a royalist, but my parents are. They're in their mid-80s. And even they are kind of going, well, this is a bit weird. Like, we've, we have moved on a little bit. I possibly will tune in to uh, TV3's coverage of the memorial service tomorrow afternoon, though, just to see if Paddy Gower leaves his mic on and drops in an (laughs) S-bomb.
0: Right. See, I think that probably (laughs) says it all, Lorna, if that's that's what's going to get you to watch. I think that probably says it all. uh, Morgan I want to have a little bit of a talk about um prostate cancer and the funding for life-saving drugs. We've heard from the Bay of Plenty um a gentleman called Paul Cherry who said look he's paying 5500 every 28 days to prolong his life and the quality of life after being diagnosed with incurable prostate cancer. And I mean I know we have this conversation with about Pharmac often and we all would love to fund everything for every possible um, you know, illness that that we could. There's just not enough money to go around, but actually should we be being a little bit more discerning about making sure that what we are spending our money on is the best possible drug we could spend our money on?
2: I do feel sorry for the good people at Farmat because they have to make literally life and death decisions between uh, what they do fund and what they don't fund. Uh, but looking at this case and the human cost of not funding this drug is so high the financial cost is so high uh, that there really is i think a good case maybe an overwhelming case for pharmac to look into again funding this particular treatment because uh, when you look at mr cherry's case and you look at people who will be in similar situations that amount of money Uh, is so large and will only be available to a small minority of prostate cancer sufferers. So you have to wonder, the government pours hundreds of millions into screening, uh, advertising, encouraging people to get screened. Uh, How about also extra investment into those treatment methods, uh, cutting-edge treatment methods uh, Mm. as well? So it's 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 a hard balancing act. Um, but when you see the human cost, you can't think anything other, I think, that say we really should be funding these things.
0: Well, Lorna, you know, so many people are aware of the fight that it's taken to get Pharmac uh, to fund more breast cancer um, drugs. Yeah. You know, you, you you need to get out there and, and lobby and um, and, you know, it takes a lot of effort, doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah, look, I mean, I'm lucky enough to hopefully have a very good prognosis as I go through my chemotherapy and things. My heart goes out to Paul Cherry and his family. And if it was me, there's nothing I wouldn't do to um, try and have a longer life and a better quality of life if I was um, uh, stage four. Um, Important to note, though, Pharmac are actually looking into this drug. They're currently evaluating uh, whether or not to fund it. So that's an important thing. And also to note that Paul Cherry isn't necessarily um, lobbying for it to be fully funded. He is asking for the GFC. Yes. Yeah. Uh, to be an exemption and yeah. that's quite a complex tax deduction yeah but I also think people, I, I agree with Morgan, I don't envy Pharmac's job. And also a lot of people go, well, Australia's funding it or this country's funding it. What they don't understand is our model is quite different here in New Zealand. And it's also, they're working with a fixed budget. So every time they approve one drug to help one group of people, they're possibly denying another group of people drugs. And it takes a long time to get something approved, as we've seen with Keytruda. So maybe it's time to have a conversation about our funding model. Um, if we keep comparing ourselves to other countries and what they have access to, perhaps it's a chance to look at Pharmac uh, and how it's funded. That's a really interesting
0: point, Laura. I'd love to get your um, thoughts on this, Morgan. Th- this this natural sort of comparison we, we jump to with Australia and things, and for example, they have four new generation drugs which are available for men with um, incurable prostate. We have one. Uh, so, it's, you know, you look at that and immediately you go, well, come on, we can do better in New Zealand. Should we be comparing ourselves to other countries?
2: Oh. Yeah, I think Lorna's right, and we shouldn't reach for overseas comparisons. Because as she rightly points out, uh, the Pharmac model is different to uh, many other countries, and actually world-leading. So uh, a good number of European countries, and of course countries in the Americas, so look to New Zealand uh, to our model of negotiating directly with the major drug companies. Uh, and they often have debates, so why don't we follow New Zealand? The trouble we have here is, uh, as Lorna rightly points out, uh, is that Farmac is underfunded. Uh, so some years, phamac mm. budget is uh, held still. Uh, other years, in previous years, for example, the current government has uh, given a significant boost to Farmac, but they're still playing catch-up. So those funding increases, I think, have to be year on year if we're to keep pace with inflation, a growing population, uh, and all those other issues.
0: Okay, Lorna, how do you feel about the fact that uh, there was a possibility that you could take sewage water, you know, the water used in sinks, Mm -hmm. washing machines, showers, baths and our toilets and things, and turn that into um, a fantastic water source for the City of Auckland?
1: Well, um, uh, yeah, I mean, poo is the last taboo, really, isn't it? You don't like to think of drinking toilet water. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, things like the Havelock North um, uh, crisis that they had down there where uh, there was a mix-up of the water um, is, is, is fresh in our minds. But if you try and put that aside, and it's a hell of a, a marketing job that they're going to have to do. But on the surface, and looking at some of the recommendations, I actually think it's a good idea. We have a huge problem in our biggest city uh, with water. Uh, where else are we going to get it from? Desalination, that's going to take a long Time and a hell of a lot of money. I think if it can be sold right, um, turning wastewater into into usable water is a great idea. Um, happy to use it in my shower. Happy to reuse it in my washing machine, dishwasher, etc. Drinking, mm, I'd want some pretty good reassurance on that one. I think.
0: <laughs> and this is, of course, just as biased recommendations that, that that Watercare is considering. Of course, Morgan. Um, yeah, would, would this be something that you would you'd love the the, the city of Dunedin to talk
2: about? I think my advice to anyone would be just don't think too hard about
0: it. <laughs> it's <laughs> so true. I, I'm kind of with Lorna. I think, look, if we can reuse this water for really good practical purposes, then absolutely let's do it. But then I'd also be a little bit concerned about what would have had to have happened to that water to make it good enough mm. to drink. And I and I, I sort of start a bit like Lorna. I think, well, maybe I'll draw the line there.
2: Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it only takes one mistake. I think, it's for things to go wrong. So one mistake in the purification process uh, for things to go wrong. So it does make you a little bit nervous. It certainly does. Lorna, thanks so much, Morgan. <laughs>
0: Good to talk yeah. to you this morning. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your day off tomorrow.